Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Town of Portland podcast. Uh, this is the... Ryan, is this the first one or the second one this year? This is the first for me of the New Year, Dave. First one? Oh, all right. Happy New Year, bud. All right. This is going to be episode number 46, and uh, this is going to be uh, the first one for Ryan of the New Year. And uh, with us in the studio is obviously our first selectman, uh, Mr. Ryan Curley, and on the... Uh, Phone calling in is our illustrious Chatham Health Director, uh, Mr. Russ Melman. So, hi, Russ. How you doing? Uh, <laughs> I'm a little tired, Dave, but otherwise, I'm healthy and well. So. And that, well, hey, that's a good. We, we'll count our blessings here. So, right. to go from there. So, all right, uh, let's get let's get started with Ryan here. And uh, Ryan, give us the update on. Uh, uh, I think this is uh, week one of uh, of January. So, uh, welcome. It doesn't feel like week one, does it? I know. <laughs> um, it's been a long year already, Ryan. It has. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but we're doing well. Um, things have been busy. Uh, as you know, uh, Russ is on, who, and he can speak to uh, the, our COVID-19 efforts uh, after. But we've had a lot of activity going on with the state and uh, test kit distribution and N95 mask distribution. There was a lot of back and forth last week um, and a lot of confusion that um, ultimately got cleared up. But uh, I think every, every town in the, in the state was going through the same, uh, the same uh, chaos of making plans and then changing plans and, and trying to figure out exactly how many test kits uh, we were getting from the state and how many N95 masks we were getting and then when we were getting them too. So, uh, so we've been busy. Last week we were very busy with that. I think it was uh, last Monday when uh, we found out on a conference call that the state had procured, um, I believe it was, I can't even remember now, 500,000 um, test kits. And, uh, and so each town was, allotted, was going to be allotted some. Portland was going to get uh, 1,260 test kits. And then... Um, a uh, a shipment of N95 masks as well, and then I we made plans to distribute them on Friday. Uh, that was last Friday, and ultimately on on Thursday. First, we were told by the state that the uh, the shipping had been delayed, and then we were told that uh, in fact that we had gotten outbid and and we were not getting that that batch of test kits. So we were told that on Thursday, and then on Friday morning. Surprise, a, another shipment, a different shipment of test kits came in, a smaller batch, and we immediately uh, were able to uh, get to work. We, we had those then delivered on New Year's Eve, which, um, which was kind of crazy. So we found out we may be getting tests on Friday morning, and by, by New Year's Eve, they had been delivered to the firehouse. And so we got, um, in addition, to those, uh, those test kits, we also got a large shipment of N95 masks. So on Sunday, we had a, uh, we had a great distribution here at, the, here at the high school. Yeah. And uh, we hope to be able to do that again very soon. I can't, I don't want to announce anything yet because we, again, I'm, I'm not announcing any distributions until we have test kits in hand. In hand. But we are supposed to be receiving additional test kits uh, and so hopefully, um, uh, so stay tuned to that because we should have more news on that soon. Yeah, that uh, distribution went very well, Ryan. I tell you, uh, it went like clockwork. I think the, uh, 
um, uh, Don Gouin and his cert team, and uh, you know, you and Christy and, and Susan were all up here, and uh, I think it, it went phenomenally well. It was a it was a team effort. It was the fire department. It was the police department. It was especially that cert team and their volunteers who were up here, and and many thanks to Don Gouin for. Uh, making those plans and and uh, by all accounts, I've I've really heard nothing but positive feedback from that distribution. The only the only problem is that we didn't have it. We don't have enough tests. We to, ran out. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> run out. So um, so uh, you know we're gonna hopefully do that again very soon. Uh, the good news though is that we do have plenty of N95 masks and they are available at town hall. So if you are in need of an N95 mask. Um, we're giving four per family at town hall, uh, or two per person. Uh, so you can go to the first selectman's office and Michelle there will, uh, will get you, uh, the N95 masks that nice. you need. Nice. Great. Okay. What else is new in, uh, well, in, in town government now that you're, <laughs> you're in the barrel here. We're in the barrel. There's a lot, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of good things coming. I think we had some very big news, I would say at last night's board of selectmen meeting, and we have a new town clerk. Ah, yes. So uh, his name is uh, Michael Tierney. Uh, he's a fairly well-known name in town. You might have uh, you might have seen him around town. Uh, he's uh, been the scoutmaster for Troop Two uh, of the Boy Scouts in town for many years. Uh, he also had run the um, the train display with, yes. the, with the seller savers yes. for, for many many Christmases uh, throughout the holidays and. Uh, you may also have seen him uh, as Santa Claus at our tree lighting this year. So he is uh, he is well known. He's he's a uh, you know many uh, man of many different activities. Got a lot of hats. He does have a lot of hats, and um, but more importantly, he also has the 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 background. He has the the business background to be able to to jump into a brand new field and and pick it up and and uh, you know make that make that office. You know his own, and so we're we're very fortunate to have him. I think uh, he's going to be a very friendly face uh, that people like to see when they come into the clerk's office. You know, I, I was town clerk for six years. I know that you get calls, questions about such a wide variety of things. It, it's always helpful to have somebody who not only is knowledgeable but uh, is welcoming as well. So I think uh, I think we have a good town clerk in in Michael. So. I just want to say congratulations to him, and I look forward to working with him. Yeah, maybe we can. I know people were talking to him last night and uh, wanting, hey, can you set up your train display in the town hall? For <laughs> you know what? I, I would not put a, put that past him. Uh, so maybe maybe for next year. Uh, so for the holidays. For the holidays. So so Mike will be starting uh, in a couple weeks, and uh, and that'll be that'll be good. And then the the town clerk's office will be you know back to full capacity. And uh, and uh, we're we're on to the next challenge. I, I will say we uh, did have a uh, another uh, resignation last week. We're, we're uh, unfortunately losing our building official Lincoln White, uh, who uh, has taken another job in in another town. So we're going to miss him. His last day is uh, tomorrow, uh, Friday. And um, so thank you to Lincoln for his uh, I think 15 years of uh, service to yeah, the town of Portland. Yes, he's been a big asset. Absolutely. Yeah. So especially the the search is going to move quickly for a building official with all of the work that we have coming up. Yes. With Brainerd Place. Mm -hmm. So that's an important position to fill, and uh, we are working to fill that quickly. 
So um, the other thing that I'd like to talk about was last night the Board of Selectmen voted unanimously to use some of our American Rescue Funds for some water and sewer infrastructure projects. And so uh, as you know, the, a lot of our pipes in town, a lot of our infrastructure is over 100 years old. And uh, we, we have to make some improvements to this. And so last night, the board approved $1.1 million for uh, water and sewer infrastructure improvements, along with some uh, road work to patch and to pave and to reclaim the road after the repairs are made. Yes, yes. You know, I think that uh, is a distinction, and that was one of the priority uh, uses, obviously, for the, for the ARCA money. Uh, was was for for infrastructure. So I, I think uh, the selectmen were, uh, you know, rightfully so, uh, you know, okaying that. I know there was, uh, uh, you know, some discussions and so forth. But I think uh, it, it's money that's sorely needed, and I think it's uh, work that uh, desperately needs to be done. I wish we had more of it. To uh, be absolutely, honest. absolutely. It's, what's what's uh, what's amazing is how uh, 1.1 million dollars doesn't really go as far as you would think it would go. Absolutely, yes. Um, so, so I'm, I'm pleased that we're, we can move forward with that and, and get that infrastructure improvement. So um, I think uh, we could talk. The other thing is the board also approved, along with the Board of Education, on a uh, architectural firm to uh, do an evaluation of our school properties. And we voted and uh, uh, appointed the architectural firm Friar who will be um, who will be doing this work for us, and we hope to have we hope to have some information on this work uh, completed by June, so that um, we have a uh, have a plan that we can put in place for the future of uh, of all of our school buildings and, and uh, prepare for any improvements that are needed. Yes, yes, absolutely, and I think as uh, we're all in we're all in flux here, and and uh, you know obviously infrastructure and, and school systems are maximizing the use of all of our facilities. You know, um, you know that that is one of the projects that we need kind of uh, outside eyes to uh, to look and evaluate. And uh, and I from from all indications, the uh, Lou Pair who and, and uh, uh, who was on on the committee again with Dr. Uh, uh, Britton uh, uh, vetted this. Uh, uh, company very well they got uh, high high reviews so uh, i think they'll do the town well i think so so uh so yeah we got a lot of good stuff going on um you know we're, we're very busy uh there's a lot there's a lot going on i can promise you so uh i hope uh, next next meeting i'll have i'll have plenty more to report absolutely right thanks ryan i appreciate it and uh again we uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule i know it's it's always hectic down in the office and and so forth to come up and uh, do the podcast. And uh, again, it's very very informational. And uh, uh, now I think we'll we'll turn it over to our frequent flyer, the man <laughs> of the hour. Okay, Mr. Russ Melman, our Chatham Health Director uh, from the great state of East Hampton. So, <laughs> uh, D- uh, Dave, can I uh, can somebody else be the man of the hour? You know, um, <laughs> some sometime uh, questioning my life choices here. Sure. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I don't think, uh, I'll just sort of state the obvious, there's a lot of COVID-19 out there in all our communities, Portland included. Um, Case rates don't really tell the story at this point for a number of reasons. I mean, I'll give you the numbers. The latest two-week 
rolling average in Portland is 68 cases per 100,000. That'll be updated later today. It's likely to be much higher, but it really isn't telling a, a, a painting the picture of what's going on uh, in in our communities right now with COVID-19 for a number of reasons. One, if anybody uh, who's listening has tried to get a COVID-19 test, either an at-home test or a you know drive-through state-funded you know testing site or an appointment at CVS. Um, in the last few weeks, they could likely tell you a horror story of driving all over the state, waiting in long lines, and then being turned away. Um, so most people looking for a test right now simply can't get them. Um, so we're undercounting under cases on that on, uh, because of that. <clears throat> the other reason why these two-week rolling average case counts don't tell the full story is because cases are accelerating so fast right now that um, this is really – blunting what what the reality what the real picture is so when you include data from at this point almost three weeks ago uh, it really is is bringing what is going on in the curve down quite a bit so we're really undercounting but but technically portland is around 68 cases per hundred thousand state of connecticut if you look at johns hopkins data um as a state we're at around 210 cases per 100,000 on a seven-day rolling average and that's twice as high, more than twice as high in terms of cases that we know we've ever been in the state. Yeah. yeah and keeping in mind what I just said about testing. So there are probably about three cases unreported for every case that is reported. So that's a lot of COVID-19. Absolutely. Um, Ryan, just a question. How many people attended the Board of Selectmen meeting last night? Uh, in person, well, we had uh, we had seven board members, and then well, David was there. Yeah, uh, I think had, maybe about twelve. Yeah, I'd say twelve to fifteen, maybe. Twelve to uh, fifteen. If you took twenty people in in Portland or anywhere else in Connecticut at random, you picked them at random. In all likelihood, at least one of them would be infectious with COVID nineteen at the time. So that that's really what the what the the real impact is that's really what anybody who's listening and is planning to getting getting together with a big group of people indoors for example should consider that once you start moving past 20 people the law of averages says one of them is infected with COVID-19 um, now of course that doesn't mean that once people find out they have COVID-19 they aren't isolating right that so this doesn't take into account human behavior that once you know you have COVID you you shouldn't be going to group gatherings right but Sometimes we don't know we have COVID-19. Sometimes we don't know for a few days. You know, sometimes we just can't get tested. So um, point of emphasis is there's a lot of COVID out there. If you're going to a group gathering, the expectation for me would be somebody is going to be there with COVID-19, um, hopefully by accident. You know, hopefully they just don't know it, but that's how much is out there. Right. Um, so case counts, that's what, that's what we're looking at. I prefer now at this point to look at hospitalizations in the state. I don't think that cases tell tell a good story either because you know most people in the state of Connecticut are, are fully vaccinated, and most people who are getting infected right now, whether fully vaccinated or unvaccinated, you know continue to have mild disease. If you're unvaccinated, you're much more likely to have severe disease, and about three quarters of the people in the hospital right now are, are unvaccinated, even though they make up less than one third of the population of the state. So. You know, right now, there's never been a better time. Uh, actually, it's not true. There have been better times to get your vaccine. But if you haven't been vaccinated yet, really don't delay. Uh, the time is now to get vaccinated. And if you're eligible for a booster shot, get uh, get your booster shot. Uh, the CDC just recommended that children as young as 12 uh, who are eligible to get a booster who are five months past their Pfizer, uh, second dose of Pfizer vaccine, 
um, should get boosted. Um, getting boosted is the best way to prevent infection. Because right now what we're seeing with the Omicron variant is it's pretty effective at sidestepping both natural immunity from people who had had a previous infection and vaccine-induced immunity. So if, even if you had two doses of Pfizer, you're only about 30% protected from infection. So many people who are fully vaccinated but not yet boosted are getting infected. And they're just once you're infected, whether you're vaccinated or not, you're plenty capable of spreading it to others. So, um, and you know, we're, we're seeing that. I, I think for anybody who's listening right now, I would be shocked if anybody doesn't have a close, immediate family member or a very close friend or coworker who hasn't tested positive for COVID-19 in the last two weeks. Um, it'd be, I'd be surprised. That's right. just the facts. And many people would tell stories of those people having been fully vaccinated. But you'd probably be hard-pressed to um, find somebody who knows somebody who's in the hospital who was fully vaccinated. Right. It's a pretty rare event right now. So sure, sure. being fully vaccinated and getting your booster is the best way to stay out of the hospital. But unfortunately, right now, this new variant is really doing a good job sidestepping our immune response and, 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 and causing infections. Right. Um, well, those it, N95 masks uh, right now, because Omicron is so transmissible, that's the reason why uh, in the state of Connecticut, we have decided to distribute N95 masks to people because those loose-fitting cloth face coverings that people really loved, you know, in, in May of 2020, I don't want to say loved at this point, let's just say that people had been using, um, those really aren't thought to provide too much uh, uh, protection from Omicron at this point. Um, if you're going to be wearing a face mask, uh, it really should be very tightly fitted around your nose and around the sides of your face, completely covering the mouth and nose. Um, it should be made of, if it's cloth, I recommend at this point three or more layers of fabric, but you know those surgical style masks are, are a little bit better. But N95s and KN95s seem to be what provide the most protection. But I will tell anybody who has not worn a, an N95 mask before that if you're planning on wearing it for eight eight hours during a day, um, you're going to be challenged to do that. They it are gets not, old. yeah, yeah, they're just not particularly comfortable. Um, they're probably good for you know brief. You know, crowded interactions, you know, that's where I will be wearing my N95 mask is, you know, if I'm going to a sporting event for a couple of hours and it's going to be crowded, if I'm going to some kind of indoor social gathering where, you know, I'm not going to have to eat or drink, um, if I'm going to a public meeting of some kind, if I'm, you know, I live in Colchester, I serve on uh, one of the boards there, if I'm going to go to an in-person board meeting, I'm going to be wearing my N95 mask. Um, but but otherwise, it's just a, it's going to be a real challenge for people to wear those for long periods of time. I'm sure. just warning folks. Well, yeah, and, and I think people that that go into a doctor's office now, if you have a cloth mask, they they tell you that they give you a surgical, a mask, surgical mask. You right. know, because those tend to be fitted better around the sides of your uh, sides of your face and over the bridge of your nose. They're they're a little bit better. So yes, that's right. And um, those are pretty affordable. You know, if somebody wants to go out and purchase a box of N95s. You know. For anybody who's ever worked with, you know, uh, in any kind of construction, you've probably gotten some at, um, you know, Home Depot or any other hardware stores. Uh, we don't want the ones with the valves, but the other kind that, that don't have the valves. Those, those are N95 masks. But you can think of them just as a really high-quality mask. Right. Um, unless you're fit-tested, that's a very special process by which, you know, you put a diff different sized masks on your face, N95s, and you actually get a measurement for how much air is escaping around the sides. Really, that number should be zero. So 
So unless you're fit tested, it's not going to provide the same level of protection as people who work in healthcare. So anybody who's seen somebody in a, a hospital or doctor's office wearing an N95 mask, they've been fit tested. So don't think that just by getting one at this distribution and putting it on, you're you're invulnerable to COVID-19. Right. You're not. If you're not going to get fit tested, and that's a, I wouldn't necessarily recommend everybody go out and get fit tested, but you know that's where it's going to provide the level of protection that they're rated for. Right. You know the 95% filtration of all airborne particles. Um, but they are better than cloth face coverings. They are better than the surgical masks. And so if you're somebody who's particularly high risk, especially, and you need to go into a crowded indoor setting, that's a really good time to, to wear an N95 mask. Sure, yeah. Uh, well, and that's and that's true. You know, I mean, if you, if you kind of compare this thing as we, we talked before we come on the air, is uh, 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 this, this thing is like a forest fire. It's burning hot, and hopefully... It's burning hot. <laughs> That's right. It's going to burn. It's going to burn hot for another number, another few weeks. I think we're going to see further acceleration of cases in the state of Connecticut over the next couple of weeks before it starts to come back down. That's been the experience in the UK. It's been the experience in South Africa, and anywhere previous to us that's that's had the Omicron wave come through them. Um, and unfortunately, it's, it really is causing a lot of disruptions. You know, businesses yeah. are having a hard time um, keeping their doors open because. You know, so many staff are out sick. That goes for municipalities as well. Sure. Um, and anybody in social service, I mean, transportation, everything. There's some schools having a hard time getting enough bus drivers because they're out sick. I don't know if that's happening in Portland, Dave. Do you know if they had? They yeah, got... we've, we've had a few issues uh, as far as in relation. We've had to combine some routes uh, as far as that goes. And, and um, we did Charles's podcast a uh, day before, uh, yesterday. And, yeah. Uh, he said, uh, you know, th- they did have some issues, you know, with, with school bus drivers and so forth. And what they ended up doing is, I guess, uh, bringing a couple, uh, one or two drivers from other towns that mm-hmm. were less impacted. I, I had heard, I don't know if this is actually happening, I'd heard that the National Guard was being mobilized to potentially, you know, take over some of those bus routes if, if they weren't, if yeah. towns weren't able to staff them. I don't know how many folks who work in the National, who, who serve in the National Guard have the kind of license you need to drive a bus you know? right well <laughs> that's one of those things I'm that's like, the other thing you know just because you are serving in the national guard it doesn't necessarily mean you know how to drive a school bus exactly uh you may know and, how to drive a bulldozer but you know. yeah bulldozer <laughs> you know some kind of armored personnel carrier i mean sure. who knows but uh, a bus you know, it's a very unique thing um so i'd be interested to see if that actually materializes if there's a need um but the national guard is, is you know We've, we run these, these three public testing sites for COVID-19, one in East Haddam, one in, um, at Ram High School, and one at the Colchester Federated Church. And we've had to add the National Guard out at, at the last couple of those clinics to, to provide some kind of, you know, logistic support, traffic control. Yep. Because those lines are, if wow. you're trying to get a test at one of those free testing clinics, right. the lines um, extend 200 cars long before the clinic even opens. Wow, wow. So it, it's the, the the level of disruption that's going on in our communities right now because of COVID-19 is extremely high. But what I'll say that's giving me some hope is, despite the huge number of cases, we still have fewer hospitalizations than at our peak, which mm-hmm. was Mar- uh, which was in April of 2020. We we peaked out at around 1,900 people in Connecticut hospitals mm-hmm. with COVID-19. And right now we're at around 1,600. Now, right. I, I, I expect us to approach where we were in April of 2020, which is a pretty big deal. Yep. You know, it's a yeah. pretty big deal. That's a lot of people in the hospital. 
Yeah, for but sure. For the most part, though, those individuals in the hospital right now, the early reports are they are spending fewer days in the hospital uh-huh. with COVID-19, and they are requiring less intensive care than previous variants. So Omicron does appear to be, though it is causing huge disruptions, it is sending people to the hospital, that that's happening less frequently, and it is less severe even when that happens. So right. I think that's good news, but when you have so many people getting sick, right? You know, even those rare outcomes like hospitalization, ICU uh, use, and fatalities are still adding up. So right. this is not a good situation, Dave. No, and, and the thing is, I don't think from a hospital standpoint, I don't think as many people are getting intubated. Uh, That's right. That's right. ICU capacity is still there. So, you know, we're not running out of ventilators, for example. You know, in April of 2020, I think the War Powers Act or the war, was it the manufacturing? Right, yes, yes. Federal law to manufacture things, forget what it's called. Yep. That was actually implemented so that they could take over factories and make more ventilators. Remember right. that? Right. Um, yeah, that was a crazy time. So, so we're not there. We're not there. Right. Um, but certainly, our hospital staff, anybody who's working in healthcare right now, is pretty exhausted. I would guess. Right. Right. Now, in, re- in relation to the the the, the home self test test kits, um, uh, you know, I know there's protocols on you know, uh, and maybe we should just go over that just a little bit on you know when you get a test. Uh, sure when you should test and wait or whatever we can do. Yeah, so the, the at-home tests um, are, are pretty good. Um, they are slightly less accurate with Omicron than they have been for previous variants, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't use them. Um, I, I put people in, in the following categories in this order for people who should use an at-home test. First of all, if you can get a, a proper test, I'll say, a test at a, at a proper testing site, um, whether it's a PCR test or, or an antigen test, you should do that. That should be your first objective, if possible, is to, is to get a proper test because they are more accurate. Um, if you cannot get one of those tests and you fall into any one of these categories, either somebody who is sick and knows they were exposed to somebody with COVID-19, that's your first priority. Those people, if you can't get a test somewhere else, use these at-home tests. If you're sick, even if you don't know that you've been exposed to somebody with COVID-19, if you're showing any symptoms, use the at-home test. If you were exposed to somebody with COVID-19 but you don't have symptoms yet, you know, wait about five days after that exposure and then use the at-home test. Um, and then the, the next category would be people who have recently been in a large indoor crowded situation or are planning to go into one of those situations. Even if you haven't been exposed that you know of or you're not showing symptoms, you know, it's a good idea to use one of those tests because right now, remember, as I said, those crowded situations, you're really in all likelihood, we're around somebody with COVID-19. Right. And you don't want to go into one of those situations if you have COVID-19 and don't don't know it. So sure. use the test. Now, here's how they sort of usually they come in, in pairs. So two. you'll yeah. get a test kit, and it has two tests. And that kit is really intended for one person. Um, so if you take the test and it is negative, usually the recommendations are <clears throat> between 24 to 48 hours later, some say, wait, 36 hours, you know, read the instructions. But usually between 24 and 48 hours later, you're, uh, you're, you, should, you should use the second test. Uh-huh. So if you're negative, then retest. If you're negative again, then you've got some confidence that you don't have COVID-19 at that time. Uh-huh. Um, but there is a possibility. I've heard plenty of stories of people getting negative tests and then, and then having COVID-19 later on or getting a negative test and then go finding an appointment at a proper testing site and, and testing positive. So they're not foolproof. Right. What I would say is if you're 
if you're planning on doing something anyway, like let's say you're planning on going to a big, large in-person gathering, and you're you're going to do it anyway, um, take the test, you know. And if it's positive, don't go to that gathering. But if it's negative, I wouldn't go to whatever gathering I'm at and say I tested negative. I don't have COVID-19. Take my mask off. Start sharing drinks with people. You know, the 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 rate of false negative results with the at-home test is higher than the rate of false positives. So I wouldn't feel great about having a negative test. But again, it does add some layer of of protection, some level of confidence that if you're going to do something anyway, get that test done. And if you're positive, don't don't get together with people. Right. So if I'm understanding it, so if you take a test, the at-home test, and it's negative. Uh, you should take another. Should you wait a day and then take the next the next yes. day? Well, first read the package insert. You know, read it in its entirety before you start opening up the the components in that test. Read it from front to back, and then start the test. And and if you test negative, the some some tests some manufacturers will say do a second test twenty four hours later. Okay. Others will say, do a test 36 hours later. Okay. Others will give you a range and say, you know, take it, take a second test between one and two days later. So just read the package insert and follow uh, okay. the package insert. That, okay. That's what I would say. Sure. Because they'll give you a different recommendation depending on the manufacturer. Sure. But generally speaking, you want to see two negative tests before you, you know, can have any confidence that you're actually negative. Right, right. Um, exactly. And so it's really, it's really tough. I know, you know, Ryan mentioned these at-home test kit distributions. The intention was to have them, I think, earlier on, the intention was to have them before Christmas. Now, that just, that didn't happen. Um, they didn't make any announcements, but they were trying, they've been trying to procure these for a while. And then the expectation was to have them before New Year's, and that's when the governor made the announcement. Getting 500 test kits out into the public before New Year's, if they were all used, um, would have gone a long way to, to flattening this Omicron surge. You would have had a lot of people who might have been planning social gatherings that would have tested positive and would have canceled those gatherings. Yep. So I think we really missed the mark in getting these out in time yep. to have a, a, a big effect on what's going on in our community. Right. You know, I'm not saying that they're not still useful. They are. You know, it, it's good if you're sick, especially if you're exposed, get a test. If you have the at-home test kit at home, great. But in terms of a population-level prevention effort, which that's what this was, Dave. This was a, yes. a population-level prevention effort. It, it really, I think it failed. It, it's just, you know, it's a little bit too late. So right. on an individual level, it's great to have a test, but really we, we, missed, our, we missed our opportunity. Right, right. So now we're, so we're in for it. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is, are there any uh, testing um, um, sites going to, are you planning on doing anything in, in, in our area? Yep. Uh, in so, well, we've had these three, uh, testing sites that have been running for months at this point, um, since August, I believe, you know, we're not moving those. We're keeping them in the same places because we have the logistics worked out and things like that. You know, in East Haddam, um, that's every other Monday. It had it actually had been at the senior center. We had to move it to the middle school because it was overrun. Um, in Colchester, it's at the Colchester Federated Church every Friday. There isn't one this Friday, so tomorrow the church is having an event that was pre-scheduled, so there isn't one. At Ram High School, that's going on on Saturday, every Saturday from 8 to ten, uh, from eight to noon, 8 in the morning till noon. Now, is that for just for local residents, or can no, anybody, anybody can go? Anybody, nope. okay, nope. okay. No, we don't do, when it comes to testing and vaccinations, you know, we're all in this together. I mean, we've heard it many times before, but, you know, we don't, we, we don't, give priority to, to local residents. It's just 
You get in line, and you get your test. You get in line, you get your vaccine. There you go. Um, it's so anybody can go, which is which is great, but it also causes this huge backup. I think if we were to limit it to residents only, you know, we probably wouldn't see the huge backups. But you know, that wouldn't be very fair. And frankly, the state provides the funding for these testing sites. Right. And you know, one of the one of the qualifiers for us even being able to do these is you have to open it up to everybody. Sure. No, absolutely. But it's it's not enough. I mean, we could run this. We can run these testing sites every day, six hours a day. You know. And and still probably not have enough testing. Right. It's it's tough, you know. Where where I don't want to sugarcoat it for anybody who's listening, it's tough. But if you are fully vaccinated, um, you know you're you're in pretty good shape. I think you know you shouldn't worry too too much if you get sick with COVID nineteen or, or test positive. Right. Um, but be very careful, especially if you have older adult relatives that live with you, sure. you spend a lot of time with, or somebody who's immunocompromised, especially because right. for those folks, even if they're fully vaccinated. You know, we know that immunity is uh, is less effective, uh-huh. and so just be careful around those people uh, in, in particular. Um, and isolate or quarantine, and those recommendations have now changed. Okay. So is is there anything scheduled for the Portland area in, in the near future? Or Yeah, we've got a vaccine clinic coming up. Um, I, I think it's on our website. Uh, it might be coming up next week, actually. Um, so we do have we do have rolling vaccine booster clinics yep. um, coming up in Portland and all our towns, uh-huh. and um, that will continue for you know until people no longer need vaccines. Now, as far as as far as being boosted now is is uh, I, I mean I've been boosted. So is there um, a time limit where if you have been boosted that you know wait three months and get it again or what's the protocol no no at this point there's only one booster that has been recommended okay so if you are somebody who has gotten a booster recently at this point there is no recommendation for another booster okay um oh just i got the date now on tuesday this coming tuesday at the portland library okay um, we're gonna have a a, a vaccine clinic it's just going to be for adults 18 and over moderna and johnson and johnson uh-huh. so we will be doing all you know First dose, second dose, third dose, booster dose, and I say third dose and booster dose uh, specifically because third doses are indicated for people who are immunocompromised. In fact, three doses means you are—that's your full course, your primary, your primary series. And booster doses for somebody who's immunocompromised would be a fourth dose. Uh-huh. So, so there are some set of, some small subset of people, Dave, who four doses means you're boosted, and that is people who have moderate to severe immunocompromising conditions. Right. Right. Um, but otherwise, if you're, you know, otherwise healthy adult um, and you've gotten, you know, two doses of the Pfizer, two doses of Moderna and had a booster, a third dose, a booster dose, sure. then you're all set at this okay. point. Um, I know that in Israel they are looking at offering second booster doses for some segments of the, of the public. Yep. And Israel has always been sort of a, a pushing ahead faster in terms of, uh-huh. Getting extra vaccine into the arms of their residents, so okay. it's it's a good pop it's a good you know country level study for us sure. all to look at. All right, okay. So so that that is on your website for so I'll yep. make sure yep. I get it on. Somebody wants to website. go to our website. We have all our clinics that are coming up um, posted there. You scroll down to our main page where it says you know COVID nineteen vaccines, and then you click on the vaccination schedule and it's there. So Tuesday eleven from noon to two o'clock at the Portland Library. All right, fantastic. All right, Russ. Well, hey, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, hopefully this thing, like I say, the, the forest fire burns hot and then dies down. <laughs> yeah, I would just say for, for anybody who, you know, especially struggling to get a test, the message right now is if you're sick, 
stay, stay home, home for at least five days. Right. You know, at least five days. And if you're starting to feel better, really better after those five days, you can go back to your, your regular activities, wearing a mask at all times when you're around other people. That, that's the main message now. There's so much COVID out there. If you get sick, assume it's COVID-19. Isolate for five days. If you feel better after that, go back to your job, go back to school, but make sure you wear a mask at all times. Right. Great. All right, Russ. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, again, we'll keep you posted and uh, you do the same. And uh, Ryan, thank you so much for uh, coming in and uh, sharing the time. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Russ, uh, for all your updates. Thank you. <laughs> so anyway. All right. All right, guys. Uh, uh, until next time. Okay. If you're sick, stay home, but all it all means wear your mask. So we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Um, Dave Kozeminski. I'm your host here at the Town of Portland podcast. And again, this is episode number 46. So uh, be safe, stay well, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much.